the biggest thing to understand is that we can't depend on our happiness or fulfillment um, on our parents. I feel like, you know, parent approval is not a prerequisite to that. And a lot of times I think it's natural for us. We want our parents to be proud of us. And I think that's a good thing, but like, not man, all of us. I just came to the realization sometimes you just have to love people from a distance. You know, you don't have to like them, but yeah, that forgiveness thing is, that's a tough thing, you know, because I, when I started, I had no idea how to build an organization. I was just passionate to help kids. And I knew if I could help other people that were or kids, especially young, young kids, it's, a, it's for teenagers that are in similar situations I was in, help them accomplish their dreams and provide an environment for them that I wish I had when I was 15, 16, 17, so they can accomplish their dreams. Um, and if I see that happen, I would redeem my own. When was the last time you embraced a life-altering risk, experiencing both pain and profound enlightenment? Can you recall how this journey not only revealed your true self, but also ignited a desire to contribute meaningfully to this planet? Our next guest, Dan Marsden, speaker and author of the book, Redeem the Dream, The Song in Your Heart took the risk of flying to United States with a one-way ticket and following his basketball dreams, believing that he has what it takes. He's willing to do whatever it takes to turn that dreams into reality. Turned into many obstacles, hurdles, discouragement, and many possible negative blocks that would lead him to stop. But with his strong faith, he kept moving forward, believing that whatever happens in his life, it's his journey to continuously uncover his potential and do his part to make a difference from being the founder of Redeem the Dream, nonprofit organization to now passionately providing awareness about human trafficking on top of being a police officer. We are also going to cover some of the chapters in his book as he will bring us back to the challenges he faced and how these challenges never and would not stop him from expressing his true self while making a difference in this place. Let's get started. Enjoy. Dan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome. So let's dive in. Let's get started. This one, the book, Redeem the Dream, the song in your heart. I remember when we uh, connected, you were telling me that, hey, you know, Cindy Marie, I'm going to publish, I think, first or second quarter this year. Um, yeah. The title was Hope Chaser, and over time yeah, it changed. Yeah. So I'm yeah. super curious, what inspired you to write this book? Well, so many people everywhere I went, I traveled all over the world and met so many different people and everyone that heard my story and still when I speak about it, I said, man, you need to write, you need to write, you need to write it down, you need to write it down. And I never really took it too serious, even though I always enjoyed and loved to write. Um, finally, last year, I had, when I had a pretty serious back injury and I was out of work for about 10 weeks, I just figured now or never. So I finally wrote it down, all 76,000 words and was able to write it and, and get it pushed out um, recently. So. Yeah. And what really pushed you on top of that, you know, many people influencing you to write it down? Is there any specific like takeaways that you would like to share or hopeful to bring out to the people who perhaps going to read your book? Um, takeaways? I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, one thing that that really helped me is a lot that is, is uh I read so many different books, different stories. People try to have the 10 steps to a better you and everybody has all the answers. And I think sometimes it's good to know that you don't have to have all the answers, you know? And so I kind of um, take the reader through the entire journey of me landing in the United States at age 16 and then just the next years to follow all the way to present time. To, and at the end of each chapter, I have questions for personal reflection so people can kind of process their own journey. And um, I hope uh, that through my journey, people can process their own and kind of find hope and purpose in their life as they ask themselves the right questions. Because a lot of times the answers lie in the right questions, you know, so. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And so let's dive into some parts of your book. Um, you you have shared your relationship with your dad. I, I think 
I mean, I told you, I read your book. I completed it. So okay, I felt no, like, so yes, um, it's very engaging, which I told you. And you shared so much about your dad, a little bit about your mom and also your sister. And, you know, it's really, really surprised me so many things in great ways that, my God, uh, you have experienced many, many challenges or situations in your life including your family that caused you pain. And what surprised me on top of realizing how much you have really kind-hearted Dan, but also giving people believe, you believe in them, giving them many ch chances despite what you felt. And so I'm super curious, like from your childhood, for example, your dad, or your mom, because these are the people that actually so much uh, in depth in terms of pain, if I can say that. What have you learned from these people from childhood to now? You can share a little bit of what you experienced, if you may. Um, in your in your book, you shared so much about your dad, and I'm like, wow. I'm not gonna spill everything because we wanna want people to grab the book because it's really really engaging. But I just like when I was reading. Uh, at that chapter, I'm like, wow, Dan, uh, for me, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, how could you, not in a bad way, like, it's a full of surprise that you managed to, you know, give your, your dad a hope and believe that he is going to be a better dad, he's going to be better and better, and yet, you know, still showing up that way, and you're still giving hope, so what you've learned from these people, share with me. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing to understand is that we can't depend on our happiness or fulfillment um, on our parents. I feel like, you know, parent approval is not a prerequisite to that. And a lot of times I think it's natural for us. We want our parents to be proud of us. And I think that's a good thing. But not all of us have won the parent lottery, so to speak. You know, some of us have really, I think a lot of people are, have very hurtful relationships with their parents or a lot of things may have went wrong. And it becomes this lifelong struggle of trying to find this approval. And that's, that's been a really long journey for me, you know, especially with my father, who I tried for years and years and years. And um, I just come to the conclusion that his approval or my mom's approval doesn't define me, you know, for me, it's my identity in God and, uh, and my purpose that that's going to define me and bring me fulfillment. And I don't need them to validate that anymore, but that's really, that is a long, painful process for anybody to you know, to really realize, because now I'm a parent myself and I see how much my kids need me and it makes me even, it, it was really easy to get distracted into anger when you see that relationship where I see how much my kids need me. Now I realize even more how much I needed my parents and especially my father who was never there. And mm -hmm. man, that was a very, very long, hurtful journey. And I think a wise person once said, when people show you who they are, believe them. Um, you know, so I think uh, a mentor said that one time to me, he's actually a local judge here. And that always stuck, stuck to me. And it's it's so true. When people show you who they are, believe them and try to believe them sooner than later so you can avoid a lot of those things, you know. But for me, I mean, I grew up without my father and I really only met him for the first time where, uh, when I was five for just a few minutes. And then when I was 13 for just a few minutes, I don't really count that. But when I was 19, a freshman in college is when we really had our first sit down and we spoke and we talked. And I, I mean, I, I share this, of course, in, in the book where I was uh, in college in, in Washington, uh, Washington State at a junior college. And my father randomly um, got a hold of me after all these years and asked me to come down and visit him in L.A. And for a weekend where he rented like a terrible little motel for us because he's always homeless on and off the street and that kind of thing. And, and drugs and alcohol just, you know, did it for him. And so. That weekend was a very, very tough weekend for me. It was my first full weekend with my father. And um, man, he was drunk the entire time and got us in some really sketchy situations that could have cost us our lives. And um, I watched him overdose on LSD, basically, or drag him off of Venice Beach. And that was my first time in LA, which was kind of intimidating too, because it's this huge city. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was that was tough, and I, I dealt with that for many years after, and I spent the next 20 years hoping it was going to be different, you know, because when I met him there, he talked about, oh, okay, it's your mom's fault, it's everybody else's fault, it's everybody else's fault except for mine, and, you know, I wanted to believe and give him another chance, but 
the next 20 years were even worse than the first 20, you know? And uh, that was really a hard realization for me that, you know, he would never remember my birthday. You know, he'd never support and uh, he'd never say he was sorry. So, um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a really, really hurtful long journey. But I came to the realization that that's, that's not my identity. It's not who I am. And uh, I can make my own choices and I can break those generational strongholds, so to speak. So, <laughs> yeah. And not only that, you know, um, you also had a challenging relationship with your mom. And, and one of the things that I, I was, I was super curious when I was reading your book, I felt like I'm behind the scene, you know, <laughs> like watching you what's <laughs> yeah. happening. and you didn't mention much about your sister, but I know from that book, you didn't also have a great relationship with your mom. And when you share the story that you you met her and her husband, uh, I think you also mentioned about when you brought your fiance at that time. I remember yeah. that. And then how yeah. weird <laughs> the, oh the husband so share with us a little bit uh, from that point of experience, because after that experience, I don't think in that book, you mentioned anything, your relationship with your mom. So could you share us with that point, the first and the second, and then what came up up until realization that you have learned from your mom at this point? Yeah, man, that was a really tough one for me too, because I, growing up was tough, but I kind of, I realized even when I was 15, 16, when I was 16 and I left the country on my own with that one-way ticket that it's hard to be a single mom. It's hard to be, you know, in government assistance and trying to raise two kids by yourself. And so in my mind, when I left, I still thought, man, I'm going to make my mother proud. I'm going to go to America. I'm going to make it, you know, live this American <laughs> dream and all that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just, just do it. And um, I was really disappointed when years later, you know, she met another man online and moved to California and, um, you know, she was always this kind of this dream killer to me, you know, she, you know, never was like, man, yeah, you can do it and stuff, you know, uh, in a lot of ways, because she was struggling with her own issues and depression and things. And, um, man, I remember even her coming to my college campus and it was kind of an older campus and she's like, well, can you even get a job when you graduate from this place? I'm the first one to go to college in my family, pretty much. I'm like, you think she'd be, you know, like, and I'm paying for it all myself, man. I'm, and that was, that was kind of hurtful, you know, and it just, it just got kind of worse from there. And I, um, you know, the, I think that I mentioned that one summer when I was there, where she withheld food from me, I was the, the summer that I, I spent a summer with my father, who was also in LA. And then, um, you know, my mom was there as well with her husband, who was, wealthy to me you know not rich but making a deep six-figure income so plenty of money to support someone else with food and you know when I asked to spend the rest of the summer at their house I mean I hadn't been eating with my father and I came there and my mom literally took food away from me and uh, that was um that was just really 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 hurtful for me and uh, I kept trying with her as well even though she starved me and did those things to me and uh Years late, years later, I, I tried again, and I brought uh, brought my fiance at the time, yes, um, for Thanksgiving. So that was really, really awkward to me, and I, I struggled for a long time. Like, is this is this normal? I don't think this is normal. You know, I, I bring her in, and um, you know, they have a nice house with you know cars and motorcycles and things. And her husband was uh, immediately when we walked in the house, wanted to show her his motorcycles and ask her if she can she wanted to go on a ride with him just him, him and her on a on his motorcycle and I was standing right there he didn't ask me <laughs> he just asked her and she's like uh, no thanks you know she didn't want to be mean I mean she's just meeting yeah. my parents so to speak and of course he's not my father but my mom's new husband and um gosh the next morning um she she had like a little kind of guest apartment that was attached to the house where she was staying and um, that, that next morning I was, I was sitting with her. She had just gotten out of the shower, had like a towel around her head and, uh, was packing her bags and I was sitting on the bed. And so that's kind of the scene we're talking and the doors closed and my mom's new husband had no idea I was in that room, but he knew she was in there and literally without knocking, he comes in pretty much mm -hmm. and has a camera and looks right at her and asks her 
if you can take a picture of her, like, what if I wouldn't have been there? Like, what if she was like naked or whatever? You know, that was so, you don't just bust in someone's, you know, and I, and she was just like, uh, I guess, you know, and I was like, couldn't believe what I'm witnessing. And he literally took a couple pictures of her and left and closed the door. And I, I looked at her, and I'm like, this is really, I'm sorry, this is strange. Let's, let's go, you know, packed her bags and we're trying to get out of the house. And, and he once again tried, are you sure you don't want to go on a motorcycle ride with me? And at this point, I answered for her. I was like, no, I'm sure she doesn't. And we walked back outside, about to get into our vehicle. Um, I'm on the driver's side. She's on the passenger side. Before she had a chance to get in the car, he comes back outside and literally within like one or two feet with the camera, asks her again if he can take a picture of her. At this point, she's so startled. She couldn't even get out a word. She's like, Ugh. and he pretended like it's. it looked like a scene was like a paparazzi or something, you know? Like she was Britney Spears or something. He was like up and down, like taking about 20 pictures. And she just froze until I finally said, let's get in the car. And we left. And that was the last time I've been to that house. And uh, of course, after that, I told my mother, I was like, this is not okay. You know, I'm never coming back to that house. Um, and then she kind of cursed me out and told me like he had mm -hmm. more integrity than any man she's ever met. And he's the best guy. And he was just so excited. I finally had a girlfriend. I'm like, mm, really? I never saw those pictures, you know? And my mom was never there when he did those things. She's always in another room or somewhere else in the house. And so I was like, no. And I mean, I was, that was, uh, that was, that was terrible to me. And so that was really, that really, you know, fractured the relationship a little bit more. And of course, since then, I've never, I've never been there. And um, yeah, I just always been on my own. My mom never really supported me or, you know, I, I've been on my own since I was 16 here in the U.S. So. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and may I, I, the next question that I, I want to ask you because I, I'm just curious um, with what happened from your childhood to teenagers to adult with your dad and your mom um, because these are the two people that really close to you because they're the one well, not really raised you, but uh, by yeah. blood, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Deep inside of you, have you forgiven them? That's a really tough question. I think I I say I do, you know, and I verbalize it. And uh, honestly, I mean, my father since passed away, he actually died last year, I think. Oh, sorry about that. So he's dead, yeah. And um, my mom is still alive. And... Uh, actually it was kind of sad with my father is that um the last year of his life we didn't talk at all like for 20 years you know I tried to reach out reach out he never changed he never changed and then we finally had that one last conversation and it was actually a year before he passed and it was the last time we talked where we talked about values and um we had some kind of conversation at that time I'd already been in law enforcement and you know out in Oregon they started to legalize hard drugs and and mm -hmm. I just mentioned that in my mind that's that's terrible you know, because I see how when people take drugs, it doesn't just affect them. It affects the people that are close to them, that are around them. It's a selfish okay. thing to do. It doesn't just, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting your children. You're hurting the people around you. You might cause a fatal car accident, you know, which I've witnessed. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I think that's a terrible idea because I've seen many parents on drugs absolutely destroy their children in this job. And then mm -hmm. he took that very personal because he was that father, you know, that was mm -hmm. on drugs and, and and never around and stuff, even though I didn't mean that, I was just being, I'm having an honest conversation. Then he started yes, cursing yeah. me out and told me I was working for the devil and things like that. And I was like, listen, <laughs> I mean, this is, this conversation is over. Like I, I showed 20 years of grace, you know? And I was like, man, I just came to the realization. Sometimes you just have to love people from a distance. You know, you don't have to like them, but you know, that forgiveness thing is, that's a tough thing, you know? Cause I still sometimes struggle with, um, anger and, and frustration sometimes it comes up you know when I when I see certain situations but I do think that um I mean I, I've, I've forgiven him and I you know sent a message to him when I knew he was dying that man I forgive you like I, I want you to know like I forgive you 100% you know um and I think that's that's important you know because none of us are perfect um yes. and uh you know we all fall short in some way and yes. uh who am I to judge, you know, um, for like, I've been very blessed and fortunate that 
I have the life I have now, you know, because I've probably made more good choices than bad and I've learned from him and stuff. So, you know, because he had so much potential, but he he made every excuse yes. and let drugs and alcohol just destroy his life. You know, that's a choice he made. And I made different choices. So I got different results, you know. But it's, it's hard with my mom. It's still hard because she's still alive, you know, and every once in a while I still reach out, like say like, you know, happy Mother's Day or Holly's but it's like. I don't, I don't know if we ever can be close. It really takes some kind of miracle, you know, like I can't, because every time I try to open up, she'd use that against me, you know, and, you know, like a manipulating yeah. mean way, you know, and after a while, it's like, man, I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. It's happened so many times that it's like, I don't have the emotional capacity right now to let her mm -hmm. really back in and get hurt again and again and again. And it's just like, you know, that trauma bonding, you know, like with yeah. in relationships, like domestic relationships, you know, like we're, you know, a lot of times one spouse would be bonded, you know, like, well, he bought me shoes, you know, he's paying for my rent. Yeah, but he just beats you half to death, you know, so that doesn't <laughs> make that right, you know, but it's going to get better again. He bought me flowers last week, you know, so it's like, there's that bonding that happens. It's just unhealthy bonding. And I think, and parent-child relationships that are unhealthy, I mean, that's just almost inevitable because that's your mother, you know, so you're going to have to deal with that. But uh, I think those healthy boundaries are super important, you know, and um, and just mm -hmm. knowing now that I don't need that validation from her. I wish I would have had it. I wish I would have had it from my parents, but I didn't get that. And that's OK. I think sometimes we just need to accept that if we're in those situations and understand that it can come from so many other places, you know, so. Yeah, but yeah it's a. It's not easy, you know, so that's why hey, it's a process, but yeah. I would uh, I would uh, give you credit for acknowledging that it's 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 a challenge, you know, because I can resonate with you, but you know, this is why when I read your book, I was telling my husband like, "Oh my god, it reminded me more how blessed I was at that moment when I was feeling like I think I've shared with you that I grew up as a people pleaser because I was the only one who was born outside Philippines and feeling that uh, negative, negative energy from my mom's womb, finding out later, uh, later age at late 20s that she tried to abort me many times. So you can imagine how much negativity I have already experienced within her womb and then experiencing this mockings from my siblings when they are very, very naive, you know, that you're different, you not belong here, you have a different father. That became my sort of, okay, I want to belong. But then I am, I would say that with that, being people pleaser I also learned so much and I can resonate with you that you can love your family by a distance because ever since I changed my uh, my not identity but my my sort of path you know as a well-being I have to create that healthy boundaries and I think you would you would recognize this because your wife is Filipina we have this yeah. kind of culture that we sort of responsible to financially provide and you know yes. this, this yeah. is one of the things that I, I have to cut from my family it wasn't easy I tell you I love my family to death but it's not my my responsibility to take good care of them because we all have choices in life. It's very sad and very, you know, heartbreaking to see as they see themselves in a very limiting ideas or perspective. Uh, because, you know, I'm in coaching industry, I mean, in public speaking, and I just see a lot of potentials and possibilities. I mean, I didn't come here. I didn't become who I am right now just because I'm lucky. There's part of being luck in there, but it's a lot of hard work. And I think you would agree. I mean, people, well, when you're watching or listening right now, if you grab, when you grab Dan's uh, book, it's just going to give you such an incredible uh, realization of how much bless we are um i never experienced what you have experienced so and you you really really have that big heart i must tell you because when i have experienced multiple times of being in pain that's how i created my wall 
because I never grew up just like you father figure I never had that so I had to stand still and you know being in abroad for many years of my life being a woman you have to be strong so being feminine wasn't that common for me I didn't know that um so uh, showing my tears and all of that was was not familiar for me but when I met my husband so he actually unpacked the softer side of me which I'm very grateful and you kind of realize oh you know because I didn't this is kind of like a lyrics of the song I didn't know what love was yeah. until I finally met the right person and I could tell you that he's the per person he allowed me to to see the other side that I didn't see at that point and it's still a journey for me um just like you you know we both love our family, but I guess I think many people who are listening or watching right now can resonate that many of us not at that close, <laughs> uh, especially when we chose a different path for many people, like you are doing an incredible job and then you're taking a very serious project of yours in your uh, police enforcement. And you mentioned so much about realization, what you have learned from these people. Now, we talk. let's talk about what you have learned about yourself. And one of the things that I remember super clearly, I, I don't remember whether it's an Egyptian church, a, a family who Ethiopian actually proposed you. Oh, sorry, Utopian, <laughs> who yeah. proposed you. $10,000 of money for you to marry the, 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 the daughter. And then because you have the belief and hope that people are very genuine and you, you accepted that. And then in the end, you realize that that's just a matter of playing games. Um, and you also like, you didn't accept the security, the protection from the police or the security yeah. officers. And then in the end, it was tough for you. And I'm super curious. And you, in this story as well, or in this book, you have also allowed many people in your life, uh, not only your family, but also good friends of yours that has promised you. And then in the end, they didn't make it up as what they promised. And I'm super curious. So what have you learned about yourself through these journeys uh, about other people that made you realize, oh, um, that one doesn't work for me. So for example, for me, uh, ever since I started doing this coaching journey, I became more conscious or cautious with my words, you know, uh, because I don't want to spill anything negative to you because that will bounce back to me. So I'd rather have as what the church or God in faith, just keep up growing the victory. So talk about victory. And so let's hear yours, a uh, realization of who you, what have you learned about yourself with this journey in this book? Okay. Well, one, like quite a few things. Um, a big thing to me is that it's a, that I've learned, I feel like, is that it's important to err on the side of grace, you know, when you're dealing with people. And that's um, because there's always moments when we need grace ourselves, you know, we need people to be, to show grace. Um, and uh, it's important now, especially like that, that incident that you mentioned when I got into it with this Ethiopian family, <laughs> and I was, that was, that was pretty serious. And, and I was, I was super desperate. And so I, I agreed to something I normally would have never agreed to because I was vulnerable and, you know, vulnerable people are always being, are always going to be taken advantage of and, and people will see that, you know, like vultures and they'll jump on it when they see an opportunity. And so I couldn't believe that I did this, that I agreed to marry someone basically for money or for an opportunity to stay living indoors and, and have food and, and resources that of course never happened, but, yeah, you know when when I was investigated, we were basically interrogated by homeless by the federal government in that sense. You know, homeland security and um that that agent that that day. I, I wish I would know his name, maybe know who he was, and go back and thank him. But he did not criminalize me um, because he saw me as a victim. You know, and uh, 
that really changed my life because if he would have chose something different, which he had the lawful right to do, then, you know, I in, in a very, 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 very bad spot, but he showed grace and offered me federal protection. Like, like you mentioned, and I didn't take it, which I wish I would have. Um, but uh, I, I learned how important it is to um, when to know um, how to, or, you know, err on the side of grace and show, show grace and kindness to people you know, in, in, uh, in certain situations. And then the second thing I think is life is beautiful. You know, we need to realize life is beautiful. And I, I've learned that um, throughout this whole, this whole thing. And we have to keep that in our forefront of our mind or else we're always going to be downtrodden. And then I say, expect great things to happen. You know, I've learned to expect miracles in the sense, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like so many times I was in these situations that were impossible. And to me, I believe God, you know, helped me, um, but amazing things started happening, you know, and I always, I started to develop that confidence that like, man, if I, if I keep fighting, you know, I'm going to see miracles happen, you know, I'm going to see impossible things happen in my life. And I feel like I have, you know, it hasn't been easy or how I expected mm -hmm. it uh, to play out, but it did play out. And um, that's why it was really important for me to write this down because I feel like I have this story yes. and this journey. And I think that it can help people, you know, the totality of it. And I hope it starts a conversation with people about hope and what gives them hope and how they're processing their own journey. And so I'm excited to see, you know, uh, where this leads with this book. I feel like it's, it has a lot of potential. So, yeah. Indeed. And you also showed resiliency. Thank yeah. you. I mean, yeah. I, I told you, I'm a very visual person. While I was reading, I can imagine how thin you were. You were telling in the book that, <laughs> yeah. oh you know, God. you lost so much weight. And I mean, it's, I am, I can't say any words to express, but the, the other thing that I could, I have told you just now, the word resilience, um, you keep on showing up. And I think, and I'm, I'm super, super, impressed and amazed on how you have this strong faith in the highest power um i i no you mentioned about something why me because i it also happened to me back then when i first moved in singapore and i felt homesick and then i felt like everything was going wrong and i asked the highest power i said why it's all always happening to me da, 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 da. you think i'm very strong <laughs> you know but yeah. then over time uh, i just realized as what everyone will always say there's always reason why the universe or the highest power put you there because knows that you have to experience that so the next journey of yours your your battle proof if we could say that so Yes, you have so much resiliency within you that you can share to other people. And not only that, um, the incredible journey that you have experienced the basketball journey, you had an incredible experience with that. And um, I am super curious because you mentioned uh, through the injury, uh, was it the, the final reason why you gave up the uh, basketball ambitions? Uh that's what kind of I think ended it in a lot of ways is that that bad knee injury at the end in Germany and that's another reason I'm so passionate about helping you know marginalized individuals because like when things like that happen to you and you don't have a strong support system it's really hard to bounce back because you know now I had this injury I had to take care of I had to go back and you know get myself back together and train and things but then if you don't have the support to how are you going to pay your bills how where are you going to live and all these different things that you would have with a family don't have and now surviving just becomes a priority and now the years pass and you get older and older and of course it's like you know like any other job like if you haven't played you know several years and you're trying to get back into it like what have you done the last three years you know just working normal jobs it's like trying to apply for another job and showing that you haven't worked in the last three years you know so it gets harder and harder to get back into playing it's very very difficult in that sense but uh that injury really was life-changing and I've I asked why me on that for many years, man, because I feel like if I wouldn't have been injured, then I could have had a long professional career. I know in my heart, you know, but it just didn't happen that way. Um, and I tried until I was like 31, I think. And then um, I finally decided, okay, this, 
this is it, you know, because I gave up, you know, I gave up so much. I was so focused on that, um, you know, all throughout my 20s into my early 30s uh, that, you know, I was just working medial, like menial little jobs so I can keep training, you know, uh, while other people are focused on their career and getting ahead and stuff. And sometimes you look back, was that the right decision? Should I have just gone into a different career right out of college? But I have no regrets because that was my dream. And I got my dream. It didn't play out the way I'd hoped, but, you know, I got to play at those levels and meet those people that I used to watch on TV and, you know, now be their peer and, and things like that. And just those experiences, you can't put a price tag on it, you know, so and those relationships. And, and so I think it's, it's really important to not be afraid and to just go for your dreams. Um, because I mean, you only have one life to live, you know, and you want to make the most of that, you know, and you just never know when, when it's over. So many people are just so afraid to step out and pursue their dreams, you know, and then they just, you know, I think that's, that's the key to joy is like having those dreams and going after it, you know? So. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's but, also, yeah. you mentioned multiple times, the dream, the dream, and that's also how redeemed the dream nonprofit organization born. Right. And I think mm -hmm. it was operating for almost seven years. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, and it's yep. incredible experience because you actually managed to invite many powerful uh, sports or athletes that created so much uh, motivation and inspiration with the kids that you have helped. And I remember you used to have this uh, imprison van for the kids to pick up. Is that what you call it? Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. We did have that. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so share with us a little bit about the the journey of of the. Uh, redeem the dream nonprofit organization and uh, what made you decided that yes at this point uh, we have to close it because then you know because I think it's the reason why I'm asking I think it's super important to know when to stop and uh, it's not which you know we're going to talk about that in a while the failure right <laughs> um, you you have decided you you saw that you felt that this is it just like when you decided that the basketball is no longer for you and then your second baby project also kind of have to stop what made you decide that this is not going to be it for any longer and what have you learned in that situation in terms of let's say in business because I think Nonprofit organizations still a part of partially business. You still have to promote yourself, what you do, so you can also create funds. And uh, what have you learned with that journey as being, I would say, the owner of the nonprofit uh, or a founder of nonprofit organization? Oh, yeah, I learned a ton because when I, when I started, I had no idea how to build an organization. I was just passionate to help kids. And I, uh, you know, I figured that my, my dream as far as basketball and different things kind of was kind of cut short with that injury. And I kept trying to go back and it didn't really work out. And so I kept asking myself, how can I make use of my story? And so that's where that whole redeem the dream idea mm -hmm. came from to where I knew if I could help other people that were or kids, especially young, young kids, it's, a, it's for teenagers that are in similar situations I was in, help them accomplish their dreams and provide an environment for them that I wish I had when I was 15, 16, 17, so they can accomplish their dreams. Um, and if I see that happen, I would redeem my own, you know? And so like by helping others accomplish theirs. And so yeah. that's, I was like, I felt like that's how I can make sense of my story. I, I had to use it somehow. I couldn't just do a normal job. I figured I have to do this. And so I took $50 to, to the bank and opened a business account and they kind of laughed at me. And, and I never looked back, you know, <laughs> raised quarter million dollars in six years. And just, you know, I know it's not huge to some people, but it's huge to me. And it's amazing to see like what has been done. Like I've never seen, I've never seen a youth organization like this anywhere since then or before then. And how, I mean, we had very little resources. And I would reach out to Olympians and people like that. And they would just come and I couldn't really pay them, but they would come and talk to our kids and we had, you know, soccer coaches flying from Germany three years in a row to you know, provided soccer camps. And we had, you know, weekly meetings, we'd feed the kids every week, we'd pick them up and we'd have these hero nights where instead of me speaking once a month, I would interview somebody who's winning in life to give these kids examples of success because a lot of these kids, they didn't have examples of success around them. They didn't have a 
a rich uncle or a dad that's successful that just saw failure all around them and misery. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to introduce them to success and give them an opportunity to connect with those people and build connections that they now now they have people in their phone that they can call that are successful and things like that, you know, and and, and create a different circle for themselves. And so that was the whole idea. And it was just it was absolutely it was just absolutely incredible. Like some we had some really, really cool moments with some really, really, you know, high profile people. Some of them, you know, yeah. still play one guy one guy plays still major league soccer in Orlando, Kyle Smith. And he was one of our guests that we had some powerful moments with. And then um a Christian music artist Michael Cochran is now he's won his first Grammys playing these huge arenas now, uh, you know, filling up these huge arenas and in the Grand Opry in Nashville and things and millions of views and stuff and when he first started i met him when he very first started when nobody knew who he was and he would come in in you know and and lead worship and sing for for like just 15 20 kids in our like multi-purpose room and I have those mm. pictures in my book too and now now you can see him playing in the biggest arenas around the country and it's really cool he played at every single one of our annual celebrations and then he signed his big deal after a five-year celebration so those are just like little moments you know and I'm still mm -hmm. in touch with him and he actually got one of my books and um so it's really neat to see the stuff you know so I have no regrets there financially man I did everything you know so I've learned man it's what, what I've learned at the end when I had to close it down was that it's not about me it's not about my brand it's about the impact and the difference we make in other people's lives you know mm -hmm. it's like uh that's what it's about and i know that even though we shut this down the impact will continue because it continues in the lives of the people that have been touched that will touch others and touch others and touch others that i may never hear about but i mean i've seen some there's some people now that became millionaires out of that whole thing and stuff and built big businesses and that no one ever thought was going to be anything in life and so uh there's some really cool things that came out of that whole thing but for me i just had to learn it's not about me and that was a really hard thing to realize because at the right before, you know, I had to leave, things seemed to be exploding. And I, I was, a, I got a letter from a congressman and he yeah. personally called me and wanted to sit down with me and present this with like the White House thing on it and, um, you know, the, the, the Capitol thing on it and stuff. And that was like really a meaningful letter. And then I got voted top 20 leaders, um, business leaders in Southern Indiana by Southern Indiana Business Magazine. And all these things happened. And, um, got some good speaking opportunities. I thought, man, this is going to explode. And, and then right after that, you know, we couldn't raise the funds, uh, you know, funds didn't keep up with the programs. And I was the only full-time person and mm -hmm. I had no idea how to really run a board correctly. And so a lot of things backfired on me there. Um, so there's, I learned a ton. And so I think if I ever started another nonprofit, I would be a lot smarter, you know, about it and stuff. And, uh, you know, it might be around the corner, who knows, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's what I learned. <laughs> so that was, that was that was a big thing. It's humbling, you know. Um, because there's yeah, it was it was very, very hard. It was a grieving process for me because I thought I was gonna do this forever. Now I gave my all my 30s for this, you know, and I'm like started with nothing again, you know, and three kids and a wife, and yeah, that was hard. So, but no regrets again, you know. So like it was just an incredible experience, yeah. Yes, and I I appreciate your saying that because it's not easy, you know, and I love when you mentioned that this is not uh, identity of me, right? I think many people projecting what, what will be my accolades, what have I achieved, that's becoming who I am, right? And because then we're becoming so attached with it, therefore, Many people starting to kind of like, oh, I don't want to take risks because I have already collected this. Why do I have to take risks? And I think this is one of the things that we learn so much from the kids, that kids, they don't have filters and they have yeah. so zero on all of these experiences. Therefore, many of us, because of our experiences, we tend to filter ourselves we tend to mask ourselves and I love you mentioned that anything that you have experienced in life doesn't define you and it's it doesn't really define you it's just how you believe in yourself you know if you believe in yourself that you created an impact that's what matters and like what you said earlier there's definitely ripple effect that you didn't see right and one day or many times that you have experienced someone bumped in you and then told you, hey, you know, 
you then do you remember me and you're like no <laughs> or maybe you would remember oh yes of course I would remember you remember you're the person that only believed in me at that moment that I didn't believe myself and I want to thank you because you have made a great impact in my life that changed my life definitely huge time where I am right now so thank you and that small detail that many people uh, disregard or kind of don't value actually those small things actually becoming more important nowadays I think because of the the busyness that we're having that we're so focused on the big thing big thing big thing big thing more 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 but the simplicity is really what human needs is the deeper connection is the deeper impact the deeper reasons and and uh now we we gonna cover this uh, failure term because you mentioned that multiple time in multiple times in your book, and I'm super curious. Like at that time, what was your definition of failure, and what is now your definition of failure? Because my guess is that your definition of failure has changed over time, especially now. So I'm super curious, how do you define your failure at that time? And what do you, how do you define your definition of failure this time? Yeah, I think, you know, when I was younger, I probably thought I was, you know, I, I did struggle for years thinking I'm a, I'm a failure because my basketball career didn't turn out the way I wanted. And and then, you know, the, the nonprofit didn't do what I thought it was going to do, you know, and I tell people all the time, I feel like the only talent I have is perseverance. You know, <laughs> it's like, I'm not very tall or super athletic or, you know, uh, I can't sing or play piano, like any of those things, you know, but I just don't give up, you know, like that's mm -hmm. just not an option. And, um, and I always thought, you know, I, you know, because I didn't hit certain milestones that I was a failure now. I was thinking about that um, before I interviewed, and I think to me, failure is if you let circumstances defeat you permanently. I think that's failure. You know, if you let life circumstances just beat you up and steal your joy permanently, and then you lost. You know, um, I think that's that's failure. But if you if you refuse, it doesn't matter what happens to you. I think you're you're a success. You're you're a winner. And I think we all have valid feelings you know like if hard things happen it's okay to cry it's okay to be angry it's okay to grieve and and be real but don't stay there you know you can't stay there for long you have to have that trajectory towards joy and towards believing for another miracle in your life and uh and not 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 letting circumstances be the reason you can't succeed you know um i think that's that's to me is, is is failure if you let that permanently just defeat you and you see it all around you you know people like you know like god hates me because so-and-so died or you know i'm going to give up because this happened to me at work or you know i have a physical disability or or, or whatever but uh i think if you don't you know people are just don't let that bother them and, and develop that skill i think that's success you know so and that's yeah. what people want to be around yeah so, yeah and I think yeah. uh, what I always share and I also learn over time, I thought the same way because I think this is what program us. This is our old programming. This is our conditioning from many, many generations in our lives that uh, if failure is such things that you didn't achieve, blah, blah, blah. But in a, in a positive perspective way, failure is all about learning. You know, when you don't it's it's not even normal for me to say that because it's it just I don't want to put that embody that in my vocabulary in my well-being it's all about learning so when you learn you're going to experience so many um, hurdles you know challenges but without that uh, you're not going to uncover who you can become or you who you are meant to be and what you said earlier you know everything here is actually temporary we we are some sort of renting this place and the the main thing important is that how you create an impact uh, and i love that even now uh with what you're doing you're still like diving into more serious like challenge or problems by um 
by not only women or men, but many people who are part of this uh, human trafficking, right? And um, and with this position that you are doing right now, and then on top of that, having family growing, <laughs> right? A provider yeah. and also a, a husband, uh, a provider, a dad, like I'm super curious nowadays, you know, how do you keep yourself optimistic then? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, you know, the world seems to be falling apart around us, but I'm doing better than I ever have, you know, so <laughs> I'm trying to take it all in and enjoy it. Um, but I think uh, it's uh, it's really important to to remember what's important and to take care of yourself. You know, I'm, I it's so easy. I feel like I mean, we have a a four-month-old now, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old, you oh know, and, and we're, both, we're both first-generation immigrants in that sense, and so we don't have mom and dad around or, like, aunts, uncles kind of dynamics where we can just, like, drop off the kids, you know, so it's always us, you know, and uh, gosh, they wake you up a couple times a night, you know, and so it's like, and there's always, somebody always needs something, and then there's work and everything else, so I think in order to stay optimistic, I think it's it's really important for me. It's been really helpful to develop a strong morning routine. So mm. I've, I've read, I've worked with kind of a coach that like people that are successful, they have like really good morning routines. It's really important. And, you know, so for me, I, I wake up, I drink a glass of clean water, I stretch, you know, do a little exercise in that sense. And then I have my, my little prayer time, my study time a little bit and, and just reflect on my goals. I think if I, that really keeps me, keeps me positive and keeps me going throughout the whole day when I have that, when I have that going for me. And then I try to really be careful on who I surround myself with and just mm. still have goals. You know? I feel like a lot of people stop dreaming when they reach a certain age, like, oh, it's over, man. You know, like, like, oh my God, it's five more years and I can retire, you know, like, forget this, <laughs> you know, you know, like, it's like, you know, those attitudes, you know, it's like, you know, oh my gosh, everything's horrible. So it's like, no, like you should still be excited about that next step in your life, no matter how old you are. And, you know, keep, keep chasing that, that, that next dream. And, and uh, I don't, I think there's a, as long as we're alive, we still have a, we have a great purpose and you never know, you know, what can happen, you know? So I think, yeah. So those are the things I need to, I need to do for myself, like healthy diet, that morning routine, my connection with God and being around the right people. And then constantly like having a clear vision you know of where I want to go next and uh, be excited about that you know you know remember as a kid you want to be this basketball player it makes you so excited you know like that's all you want to do and you should I try to hang on to that same excitement towards you mm -hmm. know and I think it's it's an art you know because life will beat you up beat you down and you know it's it's not easy and the older we get the more responsibilities we have and mm -hmm. uh, the more it becomes less about us because gosh I got five people counting on me now. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so, the weight of that sometimes feels really heavy, you know, because I was on my own for so long, but it's a, it's a real blessing. And so remembering that, you know, practicing gratitude too, it's, you know, mm. we all have to be grateful for, right? That, that just reflect on, you know, what we can be thankful for every day, you know, will help you stay, helps. So that's a whole bunch of stuff, but yeah, those are, those are the big things. Yeah. Having those positive routines and mindsets in connection wow. to God, you know, for me. So, yeah. yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh, what successful people do anyway. So you, <laughs> you gotta continue that morning routine. And, and I love that you mentioned that the surroundings, you know, it's super, super important that you create really healthy boundaries who you provide your energy with, especially now that you have mentioned five people, <laughs> you know, relying on you and therefore your time is also precious like people watching or listening right now, as you know, I'm taking his time from his family. So thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> uh, and, um, and uh, you know, you've shared some many actually parts of the, the book. And of course, I cannot, I cannot uh, stress more of how much engaging your book is and how much very, very uh motivation motivating and 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 very sort of great realization for many people who feel like I'm not good enough or um I can't do this or I I'm not lucky you know but 
when you have the chance to read this book, your entire understanding of life will change. This guy behind this book, Dan Marsden, who really took the the strong belief in himself to flew all the way to United States to pursue his dream as a basketball player. And despite that, it didn't as what he expected. And this is the time that now he published this book. And I'm super, super uh, sure that many people super curious where to grab your copy and where to connect with you, perhaps as what you are planning to have more public speaking or in speaking engagements uh, work first. Where can they grab your book and how they can connect with you? Yeah, well, of course, the easiest way for a lot of people is probably Amazon. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. And then uh, BookBaby, BookBaby.com, that's the publisher that I used. Um, if you're within the United States or even anywhere else, or like really, I think most countries, they ship to, to actually even Spain, I think. And on BookBaby, there's also an audio book available. That's only available on, on BookBaby.com. And so if people like to listen, you know, you can... Um, get that there it's a seven hour audio book you know so I, I got that done as well and uh books a million barnes and noble all the online platforms um, um it's available uh, my website is danielmarsden.com all the, the links are on the website and a way to connect with me is on the website i started blogging there so that's a really easy way to connect and it has uh the links to my socials on there as well i started a little um new instagram for the book called the at redeem the dream book um, but uh, all the links are on the website. So that's probably the most central place, danielmarsden.com. You can find everything there and you can contact me from there directly um, through a contact page. And I would love to hear from people. I really, I really hope that this book right here um, inspires a lot of people to start this, these conversations within themselves. And I'd love to hear feedback on how it helped people or just even hear other people's stories and uh, stories of hope and overcoming and just how they're processing their journey. Um, I think it's important. So I'm hoping I can build this community around this book and I hope it helps, you know, as many people as possible. So, yeah. Definitely. You, you are in the, in the right journey. You are in the right path. Uh, believe in yourself as you continue taking this journey. Um, he's not going to let you down. He believes in you. So keep on you know speaking that victory um and and thank you thank you for this opportunity of breaking down some chapters or story of your book and uh cannot stress more to other people to have this book because yeah I, i've learned so many things as a realization as reminders of how much powerful we are you know and there's always a hope and kindness you know and also the love so thank you for giving this opportunity especially for me who completed reading the book um that there are so many things that we can tend to be busy or occupied with but re reading your book has really taught me to reassess reevaluate reconfirm what are those values that really important in my life and with, with my family? And so thank you. Thank you for having this moment of time of yours, of sharing a conversation with me, uh, to share your story in our community. And I'm sure that many, many people find it very inspiring. If you don't, you know where to grab the copy, you know where to connect to Dan. And this yeah. is just one step. And um Remember, everyone watching or listening right now, as what Dan mentioned earlier, as we grow older, whichever age you are right now, play enthusiastic, you know, keep excited with life. And um, I know that many people, as we grow older, tend to have fear of taking risks. But without taking risks and being bold and courageous in life, I'm telling you, life might be get boring. So I think Dan would agree with that, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So I know it's it's a, it's a lot of, of challenges coming, but um, I think that's also the purpose of life. It's a roller coaster. So live with that. And I'm super, super grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. And thank you so much for everyone watching or listening right now. With George Struli, Cindy Marie, here to empower your life. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
Dan showed us great perseverance, resilience, optimism, and more. Not only through that conversation, but also in his book, worth grabbing that copy. And so through this episode, what have you realized that you may have given many chances in your life and it's time to create healthy boundaries? Or the identity that you've been holding for so long no longer serving you and it is time for you to let go? Drop your comments below and I would really, really love to hear from you. And for our Empower Your Life show to keep growing organically, more amazing and incredible guests to share their stories and expertise and to reach more people to transform and empower lives, hit the subscribe button and share. Until next time, remember, stay optimistic, continue living life full of excitement, focus on growth and possibility, keep taking action, believe in yourself, stay on your game because you've got what it takes to achieve your dreams and make an impact on this planet. Be unstoppable.